it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. So listeners, this is going to be fascinating. Um, I've got somebody who I had to have some coaching on how to actually say his name for a start, um, who I think is going to um, really make your brain thingies tingle. Okay, so without further ado, I've got Shoba Tort. That's how you pronounce it. Um, and we are going to, he basically has written an absolutely fascinating book, which is called Uncommon Sense in Unusual Times. Doesn't that make you want to keep listening? I think it does. So I will now say hello properly to Chobba. Have I said that right, Chobba? Perfect. Really good. <laughs> so much better than at the graduation, but they called me Casper, the <laughs> friendly ghost. I love that because that's kind of how it's spelled. Oh, brilliant. Customer yeah. friendly ghost. Um, yeah. And the reason that you have a name which I'm making such a big fuss about and people get wrong continuously, um, you might live in Brighton. Yay, Brighton. But you, um, you originate from Hungary. So that name isn't in any way unusual in Hungary, I don't suppose. And nobody says, oh, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it when you're in Hungary? No, not at all. It's as exotic as John in English. It's really common. <laughs> Every second boy in the 80s was Chaba. So, that's, is that when you were born in the 80s? 82. Yeah, there that's we go. That's the right vintage. Yeah. So what was happening in Hungary in, in the 80s? And how did, you, how did you come from there to here? Tell us, tell us a bit more about your story. Well, and, and ultimately, how did you get to write this book? Because that's, you know, writing a book is not an easy thing and you've got to be pretty driven I think to write what you're writing about and in order to get it done so so yeah give, give us a little sort of snapshot snap I can't say it snap anyway give us a little timeline <laughs> go for it okay so we know about 82 that's when I was born and obviously I cannot remember much but <clears throat> I knew that I was a good student so I studied a lot but I didn't know what to do so ultimately, I got a master's degree in Italian linguistics. And it was a life-changing topic because my dissertation was about the Italian, English, and Hungarian proverbs containing the word dog and horse. So you can imagine the practicality of that, how useful it was. But in a weird way, it was so good that they published it in Italy in a book as a PhD study, even though I never did PhD. So... As soon as I finished, I came to the UK for a summer and that was 16 years ago and I realized, oh wait, so you can make more money even if you do a low level job. So, okay, let's do it. But at the same time, I never had a job in Hungary, so I can't really compare it. So I had no transferable skills, you know, based on the degree. And I started like a lot of Eastern Europeans in 2004 doing anything I could. And Three years later, I went to Sussex and I got a master's in international management. And it was much more practical 
because my dissertation was about the implications in Eastern and Western European joint ventures. So it was much more specific and I wanted to compare the Hungarian managers with the Western Europeans. And the research showed that the gap between the two generations in Hungary, so the one that grew up in communism and the next one that was affected by it indirectly, was much bigger than the gap between the new generation and the Western Europeans. Technically, it contradicted everything that we learned about, what all the academics claimed, that culture is country-specific and stable. said, no, look at the numbers. That's not true at all. But who are you to question the big boys? You know, they've been around for 40, 50 years. You are a student. It's not polite. So I finished and I started my own company, which was a restaurant booking site. You book a table, we get the money. It was much more exciting than that, but that was the business model. We started with 35 restaurants here in Brighton. And then in one year, we had 5,500. All of the UK became the fastest growing and biggest restaurant listing and also a joint venture with a software company. So on paper, everything made sense. We were getting the results, growing quickly. On a personal note, I couldn't stand the other CEO. He was French. I'm not saying that was a problem, but we got to the point where we had to get out of the business, sold the shares, it's still online. And that's when I started my research because I didn't understand how come that was the exact topic of my dissertation. That department itself is number one in the world in its category. I had years of experience, but I couldn't put that theory into practice. Why? So I got certified in a lot of different things because I wanted to understand what went wrong and how we could fix it. And the result of that is a framework called Global Disk, which is the foundation of Uncommon Mindset. And now we work with the government in New Zealand, some Fortune 500 companies, eight universities, and we have licensed partners in 34 countries. As it turned out, lots of people had the same problem. They just didn't know about it. So that's how it started. And the book is not about global disk because nobody's interested in, in tools. They're interested in the problems that they solve. So the book is not about telling people what to think. It's about helping them think. It's about helping them question the status quo for the right reasons. Some of those good looking, but maybe outdated and incomplete ideas and solutions that they might be investing in because maybe they do more harm than good but they don't know about it because the training industry and the coaching industry, they are really diluted. So they often, they have the budget, they have the right intention, but they are not getting the results that they deserve or they are hoping for. So the book is about that. It's about the mindset, the research behind it. Wow. Okay. Whoa. That, that's, uh, that's quite something. What a story. Wow. With that, with that business set up, going so well. And I often, I mean, I think we all often wonder on the human level, you know, these big companies that are doing really well, you know, what, what, how are those humans interacting and getting on? And you can sense that there is so much tension um, behind this kind of facade of everything glossy and successful. Um, so, I mean, was it, was it, so was it the fact that there was this cultural difference between uh, somebody who was French, somebody who was Hungarian, settled in this country now, whatever, whatever. Or was it a, is it cultural or was it personal, as in just personality, different set of values or ways of expressing? So this is a typical question. What's more important, personality or cultural background? And by cultural background, most people think about nationalities and countries, maybe genders, maybe generations, and that is it. 
but if you look at the research where they compared 17 different culture groups in terms of range of differences and practicality, they were the bottom three. Country of origin, gender, and generation, which is interesting. But at the same time, it makes sense because you don't choose them. You don't choose your gender, your generation. You don't choose where you want to be born. But even if you are completely different, you learn how to navigate efficiently in that environment. Culture is not who we are. It's what we are used to. But here's the trick. More than 80% of cultural differences exist within countries, not between them. And that's the key. We all belong to 15 or 20 cultural groups at the same time. Country of origin is one of those. I love this. I love this because this now now raises well it opens the door to so many other questioning things and that's what you're about as you said you're about question you know helping people think helping them think through the status quo you know are they doing stuff for the right reasons etc yeah. et and in and for the listeners you know i mean many of whom might be small business owners uh, possibly just themselves uh, the 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 absolute kind of whoa sort of battleground of stuff that they're contending with on this on this part of it the not getting drawn into I mean I I mean just a simple example when I was first set up I did I did that Briars mix Briars Briars mix <laughs> thank you MBTI Briars mix Briars ah it's early listeners uh, my brain's not switched on yet okay. MBTI is I did easier. that I did that okay that thing that everybody knows about all right um because it was part of some other thing that mm -hmm. everybody was doing and I I fed back that I had an I in my letters I can't even remember the other three I care so little about this but it was the reaction of the person when I said this that really made me think because they literally wouldn't believe me okay so yeah, I'm an actor. I uh, come across, I suppose, quite out there, if you like. Mm -hmm. I'm socially confident. That doesn't, nobody knows what's going on inside my head and what I have to do to no. lie down afterwards or anything else. But, you know, that, that he literally wouldn't believe me. And so I thought, that's really interesting, isn't it? So, which is, which is right here? <laughs> you know, I answered questions which actually did feel quite, yeah, okay, they kind of fitted. But mm -hmm. then on the other hand, um, Am I just fitting in because I've only been asked these questions anyway, and these are questions that don't ask other questions, and then he's making assumptions that don't make other blah, 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 blah. And I think, oh, God, this is just a waste of time, isn't it? And yet, how many people out there are living their lives based on these various letters or colours that they've been delivered sort of early on in their working life? Scary. Yeah. It is scary, but these are tools. It depends on how we use them. And you know what you described is, is really typical because people can see your behavior and they just assume your intention, which might be completely different. And that's why communication breaks down. And you know, this is the key theory that people behave according to the demands and expectations of the environment. So when we look at any cultural group, so let's call them groups because otherwise a lot of people have this weird stereotype that we talk about something big. No, because there is a normal behavior style in every single group. If that's your company, your family, your profession, your town, everywhere, there is something that is normal and expected and rewarded. And this is what most people conform to. But if you look at statistics, at least 70% of the people are significantly different to what is normal around them. And it begs the question that what is natural to you 
we talk about your preferences and what is normal to you, what is learned behavior. And the people who never leave their environment and they never take any assessments and they don't get into this topic, they often cannot tell the difference because they just conform to the norms. And then even when you ask them, so what do you want to do? Well, I'm really good at this and this and this. Yeah, you got used to it. That's the, the feeling of familiarity, but is it what you want to do? Or are you just good at it? Oh, what kind of question is that? Well, a deep one. But you know, it, it's all about self-awareness and this is what we don't learn about. We learn about history and arts and all those things. Yeah, really important, but not the mindset that is with us 24 seven. Mm. And most people use their mindset like they use their smartphone. They can use a few apps, but they don't realize it's a supercomputer. And that's dangerous because 95% of our actions are driven by values and beliefs we are not even aware of. But we think that we are so objective and logical. That's not really true. I mean, imagine the situation that you have a tiny piece of map of London and you try to find something in New York. Would it be easy? Well, not really. But what if you think positive? What if you try harder and you know, all those things? Then you get lost more quickly. And that's pretty obvious. But what most people fail to realize is that the same process happens when we interact with people. We use a tiny piece of our own mental map. We assume it's 100%. And we assume that the other person has the same. And that's not true at all. Just because we learn to conform to the same norms, it doesn't mean that we have the same insight. Not at all. Often the biggest cultural differences exist within your family, not on the other side of the globe. Just yeah. because we wear the same clothes, we speak the same language, it doesn't mean that we are the same inside at all. And I can show you a lot of researchers. We can put numbers there. How much potential is lost because of these things? Because we assume that, oh, I was born in the UK, so we are so similar. No, we are used to the same things. We are not similar. Yeah. That's a big difference there. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, oh listeners, uh, you can see how, how deep we could go with this conversation because we could go nature versus nurture. We could go into a heck of a lot of areas. And, and, and we all should. We all should be. I mean, I've, I've just literally got a new book um, about emotions. Oh, gee, I can't remember the title of it. Um, but it's, it, it, it's basically, I've literally just picked it up and flicked through it. And it was talking about how emotions are constructed and so it, it kind of speaks to something that we're talking about here because it's the constructed reality and I know I know it's so tough to get your head around this it's like looking up at the sky on a bright night and seeing all those stars and trying to figure out what the heck's going on you know no. but it, it but it is but the, the simple illustration they gave in this book was that there's just a, like a, a, a few ink spots. It's not that it's not that test. It's not that one. There's just a few sort of inky bits and white bits and black bits. And then at the end of the book, there's an actual picture because this was like a negative. Um, but there's a picture where you see what the shape is. OK. okay. And I won't give it away because that would be a spoiler. Uh, and then you go back and look at the few sort of black and white shapes and you your brain instantly sees the picture, okay? No question, whereas before it was nothing. No. So what do you think is happening there? Of course your brain is filling in various bits and putting lines in. So, so if you start from that premise of, like you say, what the you know, amazing thing this, this brain is and all the stuff it's doing, then you're bound to surely come across questioning 
well, hang on a minute. I'm obviously putting this together. Oh, it's, I'm saying, oh, he's one of these people. Oh, she's one of those. Oh, this is one of those situations. Oh, this is this type of company. Oh, this is, you know, because they're wearing that, they're that kind of person or whatever, whatever way. We will do it because yeah. as you said, it's the way our brain kind of um, it is, is designed to try and help in a way, but it kind of is often not helpful. It's a bit like the fight. It's a bit like the fight and flight thing, isn't it? That our brains have these various kind of really fabulous things that were meant to help us. Um, but of course, we then have to, in this world we're living in, particularly with so many people, that's the thing. We, we you know, and we're all mixed up and muddled up and, and all the rest of it. We're not in this tiny little tribe of eight people that we all can, you know. So all these bits of wiring do do throw us constantly um we need to recognize that they throw us constantly i think that's that's the thing isn't it it's, it's when you don't it's when you close yourself down and just go with it because it's the, probably the easiest way would you say to just go along with these norms and not rock the boat not exactly because you know for how long can you suppress your own needs and your values you know yeah. you can do it for a while but it's going to come out somewhere and you're right about the brain that you know if you want to be really graphic then it's pretty much just a sense-making moist computer programmed by extreme emotions to avoid pain and seek pleasure mm. that's what it is mm. but how can you fix something if you don't know how it works that's the problem with the mindset that we don't learn about it it shouldn't be the privilege of corporate training but we should learn about this at least in high schools it would be a really, really different world. And what you describe about the brain, that is completely right. That, yes, it's designed to keep us safe. It's designed to keep us in our comfort zone. But that can be dangerous because we, we have this illusion of certainty and illusion of safety. It doesn't even exist in nature, but we are craving it. How naive is that? And we think that comfort zone is safety, but real safety is when you have more skills, when you grow when you are more, when you can do more, that's real safety. Not staying in our little comfort zone because it's, a, it's almost like an urban legend that, oh, I'm just in a plateau, I'm just resting. No, you're not. You're going up or down. Something is hurting or serving you. Maybe the difference is so small that you don't notice it immediately, but if you look back you know, six months prior to this event, then you can see the difference. And that's what's important to understand that we have to, oh, get out of the comfort zone that's the only way to keep safe there's no other way yeah but it's like going against nature so yes you can conform to the norms but if you don't then there are consequences mm -hmm. because maybe people think oh you're not one of us mm. the power of conformity is really really strong mm. because when we used to be you know cave people then you know life was dangerous it was much more safe in a tribe but only if the tribe is stable. So immediately, as soon as you join a group, you have to find your place. Don't rock the boat, otherwise they reject you. It's dangerous for you, it's dangerous for them. Yeah. So there are options, and that's why the feeling of rejection triggers the same area in the brain that causes pain, the physical pain. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's not just fluff, it's real. No, absolutely. I, I, it's, you, you don't get me started on that, because that's like my... My big thing, and in fact, I'm writing a book at the moment, and uh, and that fear, that particular fear, is is right at the heart of it. 
um because it drives so much so much we do um but so so i get so okay so what listeners might now be thinking is yeah no i get it i get that we're all driven by this conformity thing and it's really hard to get out of our comfort zones and we're all being drawn along by things that labels that were put on us when we were kids and you know we, we haven't actually challenged them as much as we should etc 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 so what the heck do i do now <laughs> okay because they're still going to think yeah but seriously what i mean number one how do i actually challenge those things because they're so so embedded uh, without exploding my whole life apart, you know, yeah. I'm if I start to challenge these things, am I going to be able to continue in my relationship? Am I, you know, am I going to be able to continue in this business? Oh, everything's going to be un uncertain. Or if they're in a company, you know, seriously, you're telling me that I can now open up to my managers and whatever and leaders and say, how about we do it this way? Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job, you know? So, so where, where, what's the step-by-step -step process here? There's a very simple one. But for example, if you think about any, any situations where you were talking to someone and you had this feeling that, oh my God, that person has no common sense at all. They just don't get me. Then most people say, yeah, of course, every day. But have you ever thought about the fact that they felt the same way about you, but for a different reason? The level of pain, level of frustration was the same. The reason was different, but we never think about that. And we expect common sense. It's like, I'm expecting you to come to the same conclusion, even though you have a completely different background, values and psychological needs. How naive is that at its best? But at its worst, it's really selfish. So, you know, it sounds good that we have common sense, but it doesn't exist. So if you look at cultural differences as clashes of common senses, then you can remove this illusion of separation. And you don't assume that if we have a disagreement and I know I'm right, it doesn't mean that you're wrong but I know that you think you're right. So tell me, what do you see that I cannot? What do you know that I don't? If you're able to talk and learn from each other, then yes, we can see the same situation from different perspectives and we can make better decisions. But if there's no trust, there's no psychological safety, if my self-esteem is low, then well, obviously I can't be wrong. So I have to protect my ego and I'm going to destroy you. I have to prove that I'm smart and you're not. And that's a problem. So sometimes it's easier to conform to the norms. But that's the problem with diversity, that it, it's the greatest asset or liability. It depends on how much you understand yourself and others. So the natural reaction is to attend the course and learn about how to influence people, how to manage them, how to lead them. But there's one step before that. How do you lead yourself? The last chapter in the book is face your demons or you become one. And that's exactly about it, because it's so much easier to criticize other people than taking responsibility for our own growth. Personal development doesn't feel good. It's like a slap in the face sometimes, but that's the foundation. Because if you know exactly who you are, what you stand for, then your self-esteem doesn't depend on how many people like you, how many people need you. You don't have to bully anyone to feel important. You don't have to hide to feel safe. And that's the foundation. How can you be inclusive towards others if you cannot stand yourself? And that's the real pandemic. People oh with low self-esteem. And I am, and, and we're recording this uh, the morning after the presidential debate. Um, I'm not going to say any more on that. I just, I'm going to just say, 
that's where we're at in terms of um, attacking um, from a place of very low self-esteem. And it might, and, and this is one thing that people I think really misjudge is that, that whole kind of self-esteem thing, because people see often a very loud and bolshy person on the attack constantly, you know, um, and we all know that frequently underneath there is an absolute mess of low yeah. self-esteem. And, and actually, this is something I cover in the book I'm writing because my, my take on an aspect of what people have come to know as imposter syndrome, let's just use that. This is the thing. Sometimes there are useful labels because it, it, it creates an instant connection yeah. that people can now start to unravel. I think, I think if we go too far down there, oh, I better not say that because it's a word that's overused or it's not quite right. Or, then, okay, we're going to spend the next hour talking about that. Let, let's just get it out there. Now we can unwrap it. Okay. So yeah. imposter syndrome, people have really learned a lot about this and heard a lot about it. I, my take on a, an aspect of the feelings that are involved in that, which are sort of a feeling of non-congruence inside you, really not aligned. And that's what gives you that almost alien-like sense when you walk into a room. And I think, and this is from personal experience, that there's a part of you that comes out on the attack. And so you've just literally said this stuff, you know, that because you're, you don't want to disappear as a human being. You can kind of feel yourself disappearing. And that's like the worst possible thing, you know, and, and then you look at everybody else and you start thinking, oh, they're all idiots. I know what it is. So you're at a networking event. Oh, you know, oh, they're, oh, oh God, just because they're wearing a, a, a dress like that or got a hairstyle like that or they've got fancy mm. business cards. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to be one of those. I'm not like that. I'm me. I'm, you know, I'm different. I'm, and you sort of go through this big sort of, you, you end up attacking everybody else when really you're kind of, you're attacking yourself in a way because you're unable to deal with this situation as yourself. And so yeah. you feel you're going to betray yourself by fitting in. And in that moment where you feel you're going to betray yourself, you go on the attack. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's all about overcompensating. And, you know, yeah. in the beginning, we talked about the, the fight and flight response. And that's exactly about this. So, for example... I did martial arts for more than 10 years and, you know, I used to compete and, and I really enjoyed it. And I was national champion when I was 17 and because it, it was fun, but it's a really good experience for this because there's no aggression without fear. So when I had an opponent who was full of tattoos and then, you know, foaming in the mouth and blah, blah, I said, oh my God, you scared and I'm going to find out why quickly. But the ones who can look into your eyes, that's dangerous. They know exactly who they are and what they are capable of. So that's the problem. When you trigger the amygdala and you fight, then you are in survival mode. And then your IQ can drop by 40%. And well, that's exactly what we could say yesterday. And because in survival mode, you don't have to be smart. You have to be quick and you have to be strong. That's what happens. And the more calm you are, the more collected you are, the more you can use your actual brain. So, you know, fight or flight, that's important, but usually that's triggered by the narrative that we say. So yes, we can control our emotions, but it makes even more sense if you can control the narrative that created that emotion. Yeah. And that's the only thing that we can, you know, what you pay attention to, what meaning you attach to it and what action you take based on that. That's what we can control, not the outside world, but most people try to control that. 
I'm going to control people. I'm going to control the environment. And obviously it's not going to happen. So they just go down the rabbit hole and they get even more stressed. Yeah. And yeah. we can see the result of that. But learning about yourself, your mindset, that is difficult. Changing habits. Because what you described about the behaviors, you know, we all looked into different behavior patterns that we developed as children to get the attention of our parents, to, to feel approved. And, you know, maybe that time they helped us survive. But as adults, they might be holding us back. So they become our saboteurs. But we get used to them so much that, you know, changing them is like, ooh, that's part of my identity. I can't do that. That's me. And then we can hear these voices in our head. It's not because we are cooked, we are told. It's completely normal that we have different voices, but we don't have the, the right level of awareness to identify them. So that's why the models are important. That's why the labels are important. Because if you don't have a word for it, probably you can't see it. You can't notice it. So we hear this chatter and then we think that we are the voices instead of knowing that we are the person who is observing the voices. And if you just become a bit more mindful and you create these labels, almost like your own avatars that, oh, this is my saboteur. I know how he's talking. I know what they want. Then, then you can identify them and you can learn how to manage them. Don't fight them. Why would you fight with yourself? Even if you win, you lose. I mean, that doesn't make sense. But you know, understand what you value, what you need, and find more resourceful ways of meeting those needs and reflecting those values. I mean, think about one of the psychological needs, the need for significance. How do you get that feeling? Do you have to be the prettiest girl in the world? Do you have to be the smartest one, the strongest one? Or maybe you just put a gun to somebody's head. You feel important immediately. As you can see, a lot of different behaviors all stemming from the same source, the need for significance. So you're not going to change that. But once you identify that behavior that you use and you think, oh, this is not serving me, then you can replace it with a more empowering one. But if you have no idea what you need and what you value, then you try to change the behavior without updating your identity. It's almost like changing the, trying to change the channel by shouting at the screen. Yeah, you can do it, but it's not going to be sustainable. But this is exactly what we are missing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, trying to change the channel by shouting at the screen. I'm sorry, I'm writing that down. That's, that's, well, I've, I have written quite a lot down actually. I've got like a, uh, a notepad here that looks like, I don't know, some kind of mad professor has scribbled all over it because it's just fascinating. Um, and well, look, okay. I think we've established at the beginning that I was gonna struggle to uh, <clears throat> keep some parameters on this conversation. So I'm gonna be very self-disciplined now and uh, talk to myself and um, say, pressure parameters um so let's 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 kind of wrap up and see what we can give the listeners um as a as a kind of start is, is there such a thing as a start? i mean to me it's about being constantly curious and that means constantly curious about the world the people in it and yourself and as you say the the scripts that are going on in your head and questioning something that uh, seems to be quite a default situation and saying yeah well actually do i i don't have to go along with that do i remember but not getting fighty that's the thing you don't need to get then all fighty about it um but how do you what would you say was a good start if if somebody out there now is recognizing that they're feeling they don't fit in it could be that they are 
setting up in business. They're looking, they get, they've got into the comparisonitis trap. Uh, they're looking at everybody else in a similar line of business, all their websites, all their output. And they're thinking, oh, God, oh, God, I've got to do it like this, because if I do it like that, it won't be professional. Really. Um, it could be that they've started on the networking journey and they're feeling constantly, I've got to do it. I've got to do it, but I hate it. I'm coming away feeling all kind of wrong. I don't feel like my voice is coming out of my mouth when I'm there. It feels like someone else. It could be that they're a little bit further into their business journey and actually beginning to question the things that they've just got established in and seem to be mm -hmm. sort of working, but they don't get any joy out of it. It could be any of those things. Is there, is there a kind of, <laughs> I'm really avoiding saying the word takeaway. Oh God, as my brain telling me, don't say takeaway. I'm saying it. Is there? Give me one. Give our <laughs> I mean, listeners, give our listeners uh, a starting so point. Okay, I mean, uh, there's so much when you describe that. You know, that's exactly what I noticed in, in different industries, that they, they don't know what to do exactly, so they copy each other and they want to do more. So it's almost like it's getting inbred. I just try it harder, but I do the same thing. I just do more. And it's not really creative. So the reason why I managed to uh, start and scale up the first business is because I managed to think differently. And you know, I, you shouldn't question every single decision that you make because you know, that would be just draining. But there is something called a purposeful doubt. Purposeful doubt, purposeful, I'm writing that down. Especially as your screen is just frozen at this dramatic moment. Oh, come back, come back. <laughs> Okay, so I've heard this expression a long time ago that we should have purposeful doubt. And it doesn't mean that we have to question every single decision that we take, but sometimes it makes sense to double check things. Is it still serving me? So when you tell people or companies to change or transform, there's always an implied message that you're not good enough. Nobody likes that. So how about approaching the topic from a different perspective and say, you know what, you're awesome and you're capable of so much more. So how about just leveling up just a tiny little bit every single day instead of refusing the fact that the world is changing? And this is a paradox that often we try to protect the status quo. We try to protect our heritage, but the world doesn't really care about that. It's changing. So by refusing evolution, the gap between what we try to protect and the world is getting bigger and bigger and bigger until we get to the breaking point and there's no other option. That is scary. But when we level up every day, just a little bit, it's not scary. It's us, but an upgraded version. And this is the, the, the most important part that we cannot rely on common sense and good intention. This is something we need to learn. It's not natural to see the world from different perspectives because we see it from ours. It kept us alive. <laughs> Why would you doubt it? That, that, that doesn't make sense. But once we understand the logic behind somebody else's behavior and their perspective, then we realize that it can serve us. But the bigger the mindset gap is between two people, the more it's going to trigger them. But that should be the anchor. Ooh, there's a disagreement. Ooh, it feels bad. Now there's the potential to see the same situation from different perspectives. Can I do it? And that's why the second half of that definition was important, that we can learn how to respond instead of just reacting. But this is a journey. You cannot just change decades of conditioning and habitual thinking. It's going to take time, just like a diet. You know, it takes time, but trust the process. 
And that's the reason why I published the book. It's not just a book, it's a hybrid book. Because information rarely leads to transformation. It doesn't matter how good, how good a workshop is or how good a book is, nothing is gonna change, you go back to your habits. So the book comes with more than 500 pounds worth of resources. So it comes with the assessment, the global disk assessment. So you learn about yourself. It comes with an interactive learning platform that is going to challenge you. It's gonna go deeper so you can get to know yourself. People learn from experience. Yes, they need theory as well, but you have to experience it as well. At the end, you also get a certificate. Once you finish, you can join our Facebook group and you can hang out with people who are on the same journey. And that is powerful. That's how we try to facilitate this journey. It's oh. not a, a one-off event. Well, do you know what? Story. Apart from anything else, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you've, you've provided me with some useful inspiration on my uh, book writing journey because I absolutely agree with you that experiential learning, yes, at 100%. And, and so I'm trying to do that in the book I'm writing, but um, through story um, and describing situations. But actually, I, I, yeah, I'm going to put more interactive stuff in my book. So thanks for that. But listen, I also now absolutely need to get your book and, um, and go through the journey because you've really tempted me by this idea that you can keep doing this interactive stuff, keep learning, and then end up, you know, being in a group of people that you can continue the learning journey with. So everybody out there, listeners, I would suggest that you uh, do go and get this book. Uncommon, un oh, Jesus. Give us where you'll get the book. Is it best to go to that place beginning with A or somewhere else? Yes. 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 That's the easiest option. Okay. So uncommon sense. Uh, hang on a minute. Uncommon sense in unusual times. Where else would you suggest people um, getting involved with, with you? The best option is LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect with everyone who is passionate about this topic, who wants yeah. to have a chat. There's, there's always something to learn from each other. Because yeah. that's, that's what I believe in, that we are smarter together. So instead of competing, I'm always looking for partners, how we could create synergy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally, I'm totally synergizing with you, um, Jobber. <laughs> and uh, thank you so, so much. Uh, listeners who know me will know that I could, <laughs> I could go on talking about this stuff for literally days. Um, so I, I, I would probably have you back again if you'd come back again, because <clears throat> we could just delve into one of those things that we brought up and it would be fascinating. And I really hope that listeners have enjoyed this journey too. Sometimes it's not a question of just putting out, you know, a few tactics or whatever and something nice and snappy yeah there is there are quick wins in business in terms of maybe you know your website or whatever whatever but it's this foundational stuff that is that is going to be such an exciting adventure to go on because apart from anything else you've got to be motivated if you're running your own business particularly or if you're just in a company you've got to be motivated and it's doing this kind of exploring work and opening up doors in your head that I think lead to that motivation. So um, on, that, on that note, and with huge thanks for your time, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say see you soon, Chobba. Thank you so much for having me. Yes! Thank Take you. action. Try this one small step. There's so much to digest here and it's all about growth and questioning and I'm just going to read you a tiny extract from 
Chopper's brilliant book, Uncommon Sense in Unusual Times. Maybe this is a challenge you could set yourself. One day I had a coaching session where, as the coachee, I got a slap in the face question to reflect upon. What if you meet the ultimate version of yourself when you die? The one you were capable of becoming? Would you look like identical twins or would you be ashamed and pissed off at how much you left on the table or how much you let down your loved ones because you were unwilling to push through your comfort zone? How would you answer that? Would you be proud and confident? Hmm, I'm just going to leave you with that. Have fun. If I was you, I'd re-listen to this episode as well because there's almost too many gems in it. And remember, real you doing real communication will really engage real people. Results. By the way, all the show notes are over at trishalewis.com forward slash podcast. You'll get your key takeaways and points from this episode and any resources and links that have been mentioned and details about the wonderful person that I've been interviewing or just myself if I've been talking to myself. Okay, catch up with the next episode, subscribe so you know when they're ready and just keep this conversation going in a real way. Never be ready.